hope you guys enjoy watching commercials today because they always are pretty fun. So we're starting a new series today and it's called The Missing Piece. And I'm really excited about this series because I believe that so many of us are looking for answers and we're trying to fill voids in our lives. We're trying to put things in our lives that uh, we, we believe will bring us happiness, that will bring us some sort of completion. And we've seen over and over again that whenever we try to put anything in our lives to bring us happiness or to try to bring us peace or to try to bring us real joy, that it's only temporary. And every one of us has this missing peace that we're going to have to include in our lives and make top priority if we're ever going to be the people that God has called us to be. In the United States Declaration of Independence, there's three sovereign rights of man that are declared. The rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is, in essence, the American dream. That's, in essence, what you and I hope to attain to is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These these three things in themselves are not bad to pursue and to desire in your life because I believe that God wants you to have these things. The problem in our mentality, the problem in our culture, the problem in our relationships, the problem in our families is not the fact that we're pursuing life, liberty, and happiness. The problem is our definition of what life, love, and happiness is. Whenever we have a poor definition and we have a definition that's painted by the wrong things, then guess what? You and I are pursuing the wrong things, looking for that peace that's going to fit our lives, that's going to bring completion. And here's the deal, folks. What we allow to dictate that definition of those three things is either going to bring us to a place of completion and fulfillment or a place of emptiness and always searching for something to fill that void. Because we always seem to be searching for a great life. Because how many of you know God wants us to have a great life? Amen? How many of you know God wants us to experience liberty and freedom, right? And also, He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be truly joyful in Him. But this morning, I want us to allow God's Word to shape, define, and chisel our definitions to help us discover what the missing piece truly is. And here's the thing that you and I need to grab a hold of this morning is that whatever we allow to speak to us the most is going to influence our definition of success. What you're allowing to speak the most to you, what are you allowing in your life to help define these things that we're trying to put in our lives to bring that sense of completion, to fulfill that missing peace, to fill that missing void? Because whatever we allow to speak to us the most, somebody say the most, Whatever we allow to speak to us the most is going to influence our definition of what success is. Because I could take a poll here in this room and say, what do you define success is? And I could get a ton of different answers. Because everybody has different things that are influencing them, that are helping them to define what real success is. We look at Hollywood to see what true love looks like. Yeah, they've got it all figured out, don't they? We look at Hollywood to see, and and maybe not the stars themselves and their personal relationships, but the ones that they paint for us on the screen. 
A lot of times we'll look at those things and say, you know what, those two people are really happy. You know what, if I, I wish my husband would treat me like that guy treats his uh, wife or his girlfriend or whoever in this certain movie, oh, it just melts my heart. And we see all of these love stories and we see how, you know, the girl at first, she wasn't very attractive because she was wearing glasses and had her hair up. But then she takes her hair down and takes her glasses off and she's just the hottest thing going now. Really? <laughs> I just took off my glasses. It didn't do me that much good, right? <laughs> Shake my hair down. I heard an amen out there. Good grief. You guys are cold as stone this morning. But we look at these different movies, we look at what Hollywood would want to paint as what relationships are, even we allow them to define what a healthy relationship is, and we allow them to define even what we will allow in our lives and what we accept as normal. Because we see people sleeping around, we think, oh, well, that's just normal. We see people cohabitating, and we think, oh, that's just normal. We don't need to get married. That's just normal. We'll just try one another out. That's normal. And we allow Hollywood to paint these different things for us that we just go, oh, well, that's normal. I know that we don't allow the stars themselves because their lives are all jacked up, but on the screen they seem to have it all together. And it's fake. It's false. But yet we will look at that and go, oh, that's successful. Or we'll look at someone that we see that has the nice cars and has the big home and has all of the nice things, wears all of the great clothes and just looks like they have it all going on. And we'll go, that's success. Or we'll look at somebody who has a certain title or a certain position and we'll go, oh, that's, that's success. You see, whatever's going to speak to us the most is going to influence our definition of success. We look at people with seemingly perfect bodies. Again, I'm excluded. We look at that and we go, well, that's success. And we feel like we're not worth as much. We feel like we're somehow discredited. We look at, look at other people and compare ourselves to these models and these uh, men and women with these airbrushed bodies on the covers of the magazines whenever we check out at the grocery store. And we say, you know what, that's what success looks like. And so we begin to develop eating habits and, and different regimens to try, to try to look like these people and, and we'll kill ourselves to look like these people. Or either we go the other extreme to where we think, you know, why try to be healthy? Why try to look, you know, better? And then we just go the other way. And we think, you know what? Whatever makes me happy, that's what I'm going to pursue. But it's the definition of happy. It's the definition of life. It's the definition of freedom that needs to change and be chiseled. Because I believe, it's a pretty bold statement coming up, I believe that all of us need to adhere to the same definition of what life, liberty, and true happiness is. And that's God's word. I believe that God has already ordained and orchestrated and defined and chiseled out what real success is. I believe that he's already defined it for you and I. I believe we're the ones with the problem, not God. I got a problem, not God. And the problem is, is that my definition of success is all messed up. I think that a good marriage looks like this. I think that my wife should do, should, should do these things and treat me this way. Or I think that these certain things should be happening in my life if I'm successful. And whenever they're not happening, I think, well, I'm not very successful. And I get down on myself because I'm looking at the wrong things to define what success is. Here's a crazy thing, though, is whenever you don't have what somebody else appears to have, <laughs> 
you think that you're incomplete, you think you're a failure, even in your walk with God, you look at other people, oh man, oh man, if I could be as spiritual as so-and-so. Oh, if I, I could be, maybe, maybe if I started acting like them, maybe if I started, you know, acting like they act, then I'll be as spiritual as they are because they have all these appearances of being spiritual. We feel like we'll never be as good as them. We feel like we're always trying to attain something that we're never truly going to attain. Or we think that for us to truly be happy, we've got to have and do what someone else has or does. Here's a sad but true thing, folks is that even those people who appear to have it all are still searching for what's missing too. You know that? Even those who have the appearance of having it all together, unless they have Christ as their missing piece, unless they have God and His Word as that missing piece in their life, guess what? They're still searching. They're still looking too. They just may look like they have more stuff than you do. They look like they have more happiness than you do. But you know, my kids are pretty funny. They like... To get stuff whenever we go to the toy store, whenever we go to Walmart. We just experienced Evans here in Falls for the first time a few weeks ago. <clears throat> How many of you guys have been to Evans? That is the craziest store in the world. That is absolutely insane. I, I, I don't think that they even know what inventory means at that store. I think they go, huh, that's on sale. Let's buy a bunch of it and put it on our shelf for 30 years. <laughs> if we sell it, great. If we don't, oh well. And that's how the store looks, but it's, it's fantastic. I mean, the, the board games that they have. You guys seen the board game aisle at Evans? How crazy is that? It is super long. Got every kind of board game you could ever imagine. Even stuff that's old that you can't even find in Walmart anymore is there. I was told if you can't find it at Evans, you probably can't. It's almost like having an actual eBay, but it's not online. It's there. It's actually a store you can go to. And it was great. Well, I took my kids there. And, you know, uh, I thought I was going to pop in there for, you know, 10 minutes. We was going to pick out a toy and go home. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. We were there for a little bit, you know, and we were looking at all the stuff. And my kids ended up each picking out a toy. But, you know, it made them happy after I opened it. And they played with it, had fun with it. But, you know, it probably wasn't not even a day later. Daddy, when can we go to the store and get another toy? What? What's wrong with you people? I just took you to the store and we spent all this time searching for the perfect toy that was supposed to bring you this happiness. But what happened? It was temporary. It went away. How many times, guys, have we, oh, if I could just get that car, if I could just get that job, if I could just meet this person, if I could just have this kind of relationship. We pursue these things and we get those things and we go, oh, it's so great, it's so great. Oh, what's next? Right? That's exactly what happens with us, and we're looking. It's because we thought this was going to be the right piece that was going to make me feel complete and make me feel happy, but it was just, it was temporary. It wasn't the right fit. It wasn't the right piece to bring me that completion that I needed because my definition is all messed up, and I'm pursuing things that aren't going to bring me lasting completion and true happiness. Here's the thing in Exodus chapter 20. Here we see the Ten Commandments being given on Mount Sinai in Exodus 20 and verse 17. The Bible says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Basically, if somebody else has it and you put, get this desire in your heart and you want that and you pursue that, you're, then you're 
pursuing the wrong things because you're looking for those things to bring you completion. What does it mean to covet? What does that even mean? We don't, we don't talk like that a lot sometimes. And the word covet simply means this. It means when you allow your heart to be captivated by selfish desires that you think are going to be that missing piece in your life that are going to fulfill. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, so-and-so has a nice house. I'd like to have a house like that one day. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you become consumed with what someone else has and you think that the only way you're going to be complete is to have what they have, you think that their stuff is going to make you happy and you may actually not even just want what they have. You may want the exact thing that they actually are in possession of. I want that man's woman. I want that person's car. I want exactly what they have. And you begin to pursue those things. All of a sudden, you're in a whole other realm where you've allowed self to consume you and you're looking for it to complete you. And guess what, folks? It's not going to do it. You're still going to be empty. There's still going to be something missing. You see, even when you obtain those things that you covet, the satisfaction is not going to last long because, check this out, the satisfaction and the appetite of self, somebody say the appetite of self is insatiable. The appetite for self is insatiable. Check this out in Proverbs, uh, the 30th chapter. I'll show you here in the Word. Proverbs the 30th chapter, verse 15, it says, The leech has two daughters, give and give. There are three things that are never satisfied, four never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water, and, and the fire never says enough. Fire never goes, okay, I'm good, I'll just stay here and keep burning. You constantly have to be continually putting things on it. The earth never says, oh, that's enough water, I'm good, I'm satisfied, no more water for me. It never says enough. And that's the way that these selfish desires that are in us that try to consume our lives, that try to help us to search after that missing piece that we think is going to bring us that satisfaction. That's how these things work. They never say enough. You, it, it, it's not just that one situation. It's, it keeps increasing. You see, we think that Oh, well, I can start looking at pornography, you know, and, and, and I deserve this. I, I deserve this because, you know, things haven't been going well between my wife and I, or, or you know, I'm, I'm looking at this, everybody else does it. And so you think, I can control it, though, and then before you know it, you're completely consumed by it because it didn't bring you the satisfaction you thought it would bring. It never says enough. And before you know it, you're trapped, and you're in bondage. And that's the same way, it were, oh, if, if I could just get my, my bank account up to this much money, if I could have this much money, then I would be fine. If I could just have this house, I would be fine. If, if, if I could just have this in my life, if I could just have this, and, and it's just never enough. We don't know when to stop because the appetite for self is never satisfied. It never says enough. It never says I'm done. So that means if these things aren't really going to bring me that life God wants me to have, that freedom he wants me to have, and that happiness and joy he wants me to have, then that means that we need to redefine our definition of what success is. Is this helping anybody today? Pursuing success that is improperly defined is going to lead you to abandon what is really valuable. Let me say it slow so I can say it some more this morning. I said pursuing success that is improperly defined will lead you to abandon what is really valuable. You see, that's where 
people begin to abandon relationships, where they begin to abandon their children, where they begin to abandon God. They begin to abandon church. They begin to abandon healthy Christian relationships. They begin to abandon the disciplines that they need in their life. They're abandoning the things that are really valuable to pursue success that's improperly defined. You see, as long as we allow success to be improperly defined in our lives and we don't get God's perspective, we don't get God's view, and we keep the world's view, and that's our thing that we're pursuing in our life, then we're going to abandon the things that really are going to bring what we're searching for. We're actually forsaking the missing piece to grab our improper definition of what we think it is. Does that make sense? You see, it will lead you to abandon what's really valuable. Here's what we do. We say, this marriage isn't working. We must be incompatible. They told us this wouldn't work out from the beginning if I had only listened to my mother. That's what we say because we've got an improper definition. We've got a wrong definition, so we're allowing other people to define this for us. We're allowing what others say to define this for us. You know, my friends, they seem so happy. I, I wish we were that way. That other couple, they just seem to have it all together. I, I wish, if, I don't have that, so because I don't have that, then I must be a failure. It just, it, 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 I'm not successful. That's what we do. Let me help you this morning. We begin to get the, uh, what do we call it? The grass is greener on the other side mentality. You want to know what makes grass green? Anybody in here raised up on a farm? You want to know what makes grass green? Manure! <laughs> All the wonderful cow pies in the pasture help make the grass green, help make it fertile. The manure makes the grass green. So stop looking at someone else's green grass and stop working on making your own grass green. Allow God to use the manure that you're going through to make your grass greener. And that's good preaching. I don't care who you are. You see, a lot of times we want to give up because this marriage stinks. This manure stinks. But what you don't know is that God can use that junk that you're going through to actually bring you closer together and make your relationship better. You know that? Check this out. In Romans 8 and verse 28, it says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those that are called according to his purpose. We've heard this scripture a lot. But how many of you know that this is really what God wants? That doesn't mean that God's leading you through the manure. You want to know what's leading you through the manure? Your bad choices. Your attitude. That's what's leading you through the manure. But guess what? God can use that and help make your marriage and your relationships, your life, your definition of success better because of the junk that you've done. That's called learning from your mistakes. That's called growing out of the junk. And that's what happens if we allow. That's the key. Everybody say if. You see, if we allow him to, if we allow him to work things together, for my good, for the good of those that love him. If I allow him to, if I've got my mind made up and I, I'm not going to allow him to, then guess what? I, he's going to let me sit there in the manure pile. And he's not going to take that thing that was causing all of this junk in my life and make it something beautiful. I'm just going to get to sit in the middle of the manure. That's what's going to happen. If I don't allow him to take that junk and make something awesome out of it. You see, by submitting to God's truth, by submitting to his definition of what success is, 
That's how we allow him to work all things together for the good of those who love him. That's who he works it together for. Not, he didn't say Christians. He said those that love him. Those that love him and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? That means those who actually take what God is saying is his definition, his standard of living, and they begin to apply those things and allow those things to shape their definition of what success is. I submit to the fact that I'm called to your purpose. I submit to the fact that you love me and that I love you, God, and I want what you want more than what I want. And because of that, you're going to cause all of this junk to work together for my good. Does that make sense? We could say it like this. So here's what we need to do. We need to allow God to use the poo you're going through to make your relationships like super glue. The things that you think are rocky, the things that you think are worth giving up on, the things that you think are just worth throwing in the trash. Oh, well, I'm not going to be successful. I'm not going to be successful in my relationships, in my marriage. I'm not going to be successful in business. I'm not going to be successful in, uh, as a parent. And I'm not going to be successful as a Christian. And we just throw our hands up in the air. No, 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 no. Allow God to use whatever it is that you're going through by you submitting to his word, by you trusting in him, by you allowing him to define what success is, embrace those things, allow him to chisel those things in your life, then he'll take that junk and he'll make something awesome out of it. Because people abandon what's really important. People abandon what's really valuable because they're valuing the wrong things. You see, what we do is we end up valuing ourselves more than we do valuing God and what he says is important. You see, people abandon their marriages, their families, the church, their relationship with God. They allow the wrong things to define what success is. And here's the one thing that you need to take away from today more than anything else. Is that only God's word can give us a true definition of what success is. Only God's word can give us a true definition of what success is. Because here's what the world does. The world wants to present living in SD. What is SD? It's standard definition. They've got a standard definition of what life, liberty, and happiness are all about. They've got a standard definition that they want to paint for you, that they want you to adhere to. And it's based on what other people have. It's based on what I tell you you should have. Based on how I tell you your life should be. It's based on how everybody else is living and doing things. It's based on what is considered to be normal. What is normal anyways, right? Is there even such a thing? Because our world continually changes and they want to say, well, you're not normal because you don't do this. You're not normal because you do this or don't do that. You're not normal because you don't have this and you don't have that or because you do have this. I don't want to be normal. If that's the standard definition that the world presents to me. You see, standard definition is not as crystal clear. There are some good things whenever you look at like a standard definition television. It's good. But how many of you guys, you like to watch your TV in HD? In high definition. As a matter of fact, we'll pay extra for HD. 
We'll go out and spend the extra money to get the HDMI cable to hook up so we can see everything in HD. You see, the world wants to present everything in SD, but God wants to present to you HD, a higher definition of living than what the world is presenting. Because SD is easy. SD is something that doesn't require any extra effort on our parts. It's something that we just look at what everybody else is doing and we go, okay. It's something that we look at and see, oh, well, that's what everybody else is doing. Well, that's what I'll do too. And we just fall in line and we're all little lemmings and we're all falling off the same cliff. All going through the same junk, all making the same mistakes, all just doing the same thing. Well, this is just normal. It's normal for whenever you're college uh, age to go b- just buck wild and go to crazy parties and get slammed drunk and to go out and smoke weed and to go out and sleep around. That's normal. That's called sowing your wild oats. That's a standard definition that the world has. I got to get this out of my system. It's a standard definition to be uh, addicted to pornography because everybody else is. I mean, I know good Christian people that look at pornography, so it's, 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 it's okay that everybody else does it. It's okay that everybody else acts like this. It's okay that everybody else sleeps around, that everybody else lies, that everybody else gossips, that everybody else badmouths, that everybody else goes around behind people's backs. Everybody else does it. That's the standard definition of how the world works. But you and I are not called to live a standard definition life. You and I are called to live at a higher definition. We're not supposed to look at the world and how they live and pattern our lives after that. We're supposed to pattern our lives after God's Word because only God's Word is going to give us that higher definition, that true definition of what success really is. You see, that's why we need to seek to understand God's Word because whenever we get into His Word and we get that relationship with Him, we understand His character We understand who he is, and then we apply that truth to our lives. You see, if we allow him to redefine our definition, then here's what happens. We begin to want what God wants if we understand who he is. We begin to want what God wants. We begin to desire the things that he wants us to really desire. We begin to paint the picture of what real godly success is all about. You see, whenever we understand what God wants and we begin to desire that in our relationships and our life, then we're going to find what's been missing. And you see, what's been missing all along has been Him. Because we can't allow the world to define success for us. And here's the other thing. We can't allow religion to define success for us either. Because sometimes we think that, oh, everything's just fine because, you know... I don't, uh, I, I don't, you know, drink and I don't chew and I don't date the girls that do. And, 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 and because we think we, we adhere to these religious things that have been painted for us, that have been presented to us, because I hold my mouth just right, because I look the part, because I do the church thing, you know, because I look like everything's going well, then everything must be going well. You see... That's not God's definition of success. You still will have something missing because you said, yeah, Jesus, I want to give you a little bit of my life. But, you know, I know that I don't want to give you everything. I don't want to completely commit and submit to you to allow you to be that missing piece in my life because I'm still chasing after things that are going to make me happy. 
You see, whenever we chase after the things of God, whenever we allow him to define for us that higher definition of life, then here's what happens. That higher definition begins to make us happy. It begins to make us free. It begins to give us the life that God always wanted us to have. It may not have been something originally that you and I wanted in our lives because we didn't think that that would bring the completion and the missing piece to complete the puzzle. We didn't think it would bring it. We didn't think that it would deliver. You know, so we just didn't give ourselves completely over to it. We just gave ourselves partway over to it because it made us feel better once a week. But you see, whenever we completely give ourselves over to God and we allow his word and his truth to define not just how we live on Sunday, but how we live, how we walk, how we react, how we respond, how we trust, when we allow him to define those things, then guess what? We find that the very things that we were looking for are now coming to pass in our lives, just not the way we thought they would. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever experienced that before? It, 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 it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. It, it didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. It, it didn't even make you feel like you thought it would feel. But now that you have committed your life to God and His principles, His higher definition of living, all of a sudden you've allowed His Word to define you and to define what success is. All of a sudden you find yourself not maybe in the place you thought you would be, maybe not having all the stuff you thought you would have, maybe not looking like Hollywood told you you should look, maybe not looking like your friends look or how you see others looking. But yet you have peace, you have real joy, you have real freedom. You're living the life God's destined you to. And it didn't look like what you thought it would maybe last year, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. How many of you guys, whenever we were dating our wives, we had ideas of what marriage was going to be like? Chuckles all over the room. And then you get married, and not that it may have been better or worse than what you had in mind, I don't know, but that's what you got into this deal for, right? For better or worse. That's kind of why they make you say that. And whenever we say those vows for better or for worse, what we're saying is, is that I'm committed to this because this is not just a, a contract. This is not just a ceremony. This is a covenant. This is a deep agreement between you and I that I'm going to commit to whether it's better than I thought it was going to be or whether it gets worse than I thought it was going to be. That's why we say those things. We make those commitments. Because sometimes it's better. But how, how many of you know sometimes it's worse? It depends on what we're allowing to define what we're allowing to define our lives, how we think we should act, how we think we should interact, how we think that we should uh, develop those relationships, what we should expect from one another, how we should communicate. All of these things chisel away and define how we view the successful marriage, the successful relationship, successful walk with God and relationship with Him. But as we allow God to chisel and redefine our definition of success, then we find ourselves walking in peace and happiness walking in freedom, but it didn't look like the way we thought it was going to look. <laughs> Matthew 6 and 19. Turn over there in your Bibles this morning. Matthew 6 and 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. Go ahead and move on on that. He says that the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For he's either going to love one and he's going to hate the other. Or else he's going to be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And then check this out. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Why do you worry about clothes, it says. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now, look at that right there. Before we read this next verse, he said that, Don't you know what God that God is aware of your needs? Don't you know that God has a good pulse, a good vibe on what you need? Don't you know that what you need isn't necessarily sometimes what you want? Sometimes we've got God figured out in our minds and we try to dictate and tell him how he should do things in our lives. God, let me tell you something. We give God the head bob. God, let me tell you something. You know, that woman of mine, let me tell you something about her, God. And we began to gripe and complain, and we began to think that God's not aware of our needs. But yet, if we would submit to his word, if we would submit to what he says is important, it would redefine what we thought we needed. Because whenever we grow in life and we mature in our walk with the Lord, we're going to find out more and more and more, the closer we get to him, the things that we thought we absolutely just had to have and all the things that we absolutely needed. We didn't need a lot of those things anyway, but God is aware of what we need. He is aware of what we need. So here's what happens in Matthew 6 and 33. He gives us a solution. He says, here's what you need to do. Don't worry about all that stuff because God's aware of your needs. Just seek him first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and guess what's going to happen? All the things that you need are going to be added unto you. And that's both material things, that's emotional things, that's spiritual things, that's physical things. They're going to be added unto you because you got your priorities in place. You put the right piece of the puzzle in the right place to complete the picture instead of trying to fit in your life what you thought you needed, what you wanted, what you thought how it should happen, and you're trying to force something that's incompatible with God's definition of success you're submitting to sd and god's calling you to a higher definition he's saying here's why you do it you put me first you put my thoughts before your thoughts you put my definition before your definition let's see who's got the better definition it's almost like a challenge from god it said if you do this all these things are going to be added unto you you're going to find yourself complete in a way that you never thought you would be complete. Because how many times have you had an idea of how something would go or how it would feel or what the experience would look like or what it would, how it was going to be and whenever you got there, it just it, it didn't feel that way? 
I remember one time I got to meet one of my basketball heroes. Um, does anybody remember Carl Malone? Played for the Utah Jazz, one of the greatest uh, power forwards in the history of the NBA. I got to meet him, and I got to visit with him, talk to him. Man, and I thought it was just going to be so incredible. I'm getting to meet Carl Malone. Oh, my goodness. I was getting all jazzed up. I didn't even need Red Bull that day. I didn't even need a monster drink that day. All I needed was that I had trouble sleeping. I'm meeting Carl Malone. And so whenever I got to meet him, he was just a guy. He's just a regular guy. And, 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 and I was excited to still meet him, but it didn't, the experience didn't feel quite like I thought. He didn't invite me to play for the jazz. He didn't. He, <laughs> can, I, can I just shine your shoes, sir? <laughs> he didn't offer me a job. Not, you know, all these things, all these big ideas that I had of how this experience was going to go, it didn't feel that way. I wasn't disappointed, but it didn't feel the same way. A lot of times when we pursue after things and, and once we attain them, it didn't quite feel like we thought it was going to feel and we still feel empty and missing. But God said, no matter how you think it's going to feel, no matter how you think it's going to be, no matter what your definition of peace, of success, of happiness, of real freedom, if you allow my ways, if you allow my kingdom, my priorities to be first on your list, then I'm going to give you what you need. It's going to be added unto you. Isn't that awesome? That's a promise of God. I don't think you thought that was awesome. Do you think that's awesome? Amen. That's great because that takes a lot of pressure off of me. That takes a lot of pressure off of me. All I've got to do is submit my life to God and His truth and His Word. Put Him first in my life, and then He's going to take care of the rest. Thank you, Jesus. I've got to apply His principles to my life, His Word, His truth. Allow it to define and chisel my view of success. So here's the thing, folks. The missing piece in our lives can only be found in a strong connection with God. You see, people are going to try to fill the gap with sex, with money, with alcohol, with stuff, but it always turns up empty. We think if we had a different last name or if we came from a different background that maybe our lives would be more complete. Maybe if I'd married a different guy or a different lady instead, and then we start thinking, I wonder if they're on Facebook. Maybe if I would have married that guy from high school or that lady from high school, we get on Facebook, clickety-clack, we say, oh, yeah, they are on Facebook. Oh, well, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. And next thing you know, we've, ab we've abandoned everything that was valuable to go pursue something we thought would make us happy. You see, we think sometimes that just because we have pursued the wrong things, we think that sometimes because we have had improper definitions of what success is, that we've blown it and that we've messed up and that now our lives are irreparable. We think that it's over for us. You don't know, Pastor Derek, you don't know how bad I've blown it. You don't know what I've done. If you only knew how bad the situation was, you, if you only understood, let me just sit down with you and explain how my situation is different and how it's much more worse than anyone else's and, and, and how what I've done and what I've experienced is so much worse than anybody else. Let me tell you how bad it is for just a minute. Let me tell you guys something. As a pastor... I have heard stories of horrendous things that have happened in people's lives. Some of it was their fault. Some things were things that people were just simply victims of and they could do nothing about it. There are terrible things that have happened in folks' lives. And you may be going through something absolutely terrible right now. 
But here's the trap, is that the enemy wants you to think that you can't have a higher definition of living. You can never really have the life God wanted you to have. You can never really be successful because you've messed up too much. You've blown it too much. It's over for you. All you can hope for is maybe second best. All you can hope for is maybe, you know, just, just, just a little bit of Jesus in your life because you got too much junk. If they only knew who you really were. And that's the thing that the enemy keeps spewing out to you. And it wants to hold you back. You may think, man, I used to even feel called to ministry. I used to feel like, you know, I, could, I would like to be one of those guys that, you know, was on a worship team. Or I'd like to be one of those guys teaching a class. Or somebody that could really minister to somebody else. But because of all the junk that I've been through, God can never use me god can never maybe you felt to call, called to be a pastor or, or or called to be a missionary i don't know maybe you had big dreams and big hopes for things that you thought god could do through you but because of where you're at and because of the junk that you're going through you think it's over for you you think i missed this opportunity i missed this opportunity i missed this opportunity i've been living a standard definition life and i could never live that hd high definition life god's called me to even if i did put him first in my life because it's over let me tell you something, folks. That's a lie. I said that's a lie. That is a lie that the enemy wants to make you feel second class like you're no good. Let me show you something in the Word of God. Here is the Word of God in action right here, defining and redefining what true success is. This is how this works. Just what I've taught you this morning. I want you to see this. Everybody okay? Okay. Allow this to reshape and redefine some things in your mind and in your heart this morning. Watch this. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, the Bible says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Doing what? Redeeming the what? Doing what? Redeeming what? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Check this out. We're told to redeem the time. He says, this is how you're wise. You redeem the time. Okay, well, it's over for me. I, 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 I messed up. I've blown it. I've gone too far. I can never have that higher definition of living God wants me to have, even if I did put his kingdom first. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I have to deal with. No, no, no. I, I missed too many opportunities. Watch this. Redeem the time. That word redeem means to buy back. It means to take ownership of. You and I are supposed to take ownership of time. We're supposed to take ownership not just of, not just time on the clock. Watch this. The word time used there is the word kairos in the Greek. And that word kairos means seasonable time, definitive time, appointed time. Oh, folks, I'm about to start preaching this morning. Let me tell you, that that means that your appointed time, your definitive time, the thing that God wanted you to do on this earth, the thing that he's commanded you to do, the things that he has dreamed and destined for you to do, if you are still here, he commands you this day to buy back or redeem the time, the Kairos appointed time. That means it's not over for you. That means it's not too late for you. That means your appointed time, your season, your definitive time is not over because through Jesus Christ, he can make all all things new 
And that means you're supposed to take it back. I'm taking back that time. I'm taking back that missed opportunity. I'm taking back that failed marriage. I'm taking back that failed relationship. I'm taking back that definition of joy. I'm taking back that definition of happiness. I'm taking back my freedom. I'm taking back my peace. And I'm not going to allow the standard definition of the enemy and the world to define me any longer. I choose this day to live an HD, high-definition life, allowing God to be the peace that fits in my heart that brings me completion and fulfillment in my life as I walk in who he's called me to be. Amen? Amen. So here's what that means for you and me, that we don't have any more excuses. Man, I was riding on my crutches of excuse. He said, no more excuses. That means you can't blame your circumstance. You can't blame someone else. That means even how you were raised, we're not even going to blame the way we were raised because we're going to pick ourselves up from this moment where we're at right now and buy back the time that was stolen. Buy back the time that we forfeited. Buy back the time. Take ownership over the thing that even you and I may have messed up and allow God to work together. All of those things, all that manure, all that junk to make the grass green on my side. The grass don't need to be green on somebody else's side. I want the grass to be green in my marriage, in my relationships, in my church, in my job, with my kids, with my family. Amen? That's where the grass needs to be green at. And then the world's looking at you and they're going, man, you stunk before, but now look what, what, what's changed, what's happened? And you say, well, let me tell you what God did. I was sitting in a pile of manure before, but God's used that to make my life greener and better because I've chose to allow him to be the missing piece that I've been searching for. And I've allowed his definition of true life, liberty, and happiness to define me. No more regrets, no more excuses. What has been missing is that strong connection with God and that submission to his definition of living. I'm not going to be defined by the world standard of definition, but I'm going to redeem the time that has been squandered away by me choosing to allow God to define the success of what that true life is all about. It's all about letting God complete your picture. Are you seeing this? It's all about letting him complete your picture. And stop letting the world try to complete your picture because it's never going to bring that happiness. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he's going to take care of the rest. Amen? Bow your heads with me this morning, church. Maybe you're here today and you said, you know what, Pastor Derek? I've been letting the world define what I think is success for way too long. And I'm ready to just say, you know what? I need to really make Jesus the Lord of my life. And what that means is that, you know, you, you, you not only just say a prayer, you, not, you don't just repeat words, but you really make a valuable commitment in your heart to say, you know what, I mean this today. I really mean this. I'm not just saying this to make myself feel better. I'm not just saying this so I will have some kind of fire insurance because I'm scared of going to hell. It's because I really want to connect with God and I really want that deep relationship with Him. And if that's you and you say, Pastor Derek, I I want that, or maybe you've said that kind of a prayer before, made that kind of a commitment before, but you say, I really feel like I need to make that commitment fresh and make it new, and I just want to recommit myself to him today. If that's you in this place, just raise your hand and put it back down. I see those hands. I see those hands. Hands all over this place today. I see that hand. You can put it back down after you've raised it. I see that hand. Anybody else in this place today? I want you to repeat after me this morning. Say, dear Jesus, I confess you as the Lord, as the leader, the one who calls the shots 
in my life. I want you to define what success is for me, for my family. I want you to take first place in my life. So I give you my heart this morning in all sincerity. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer today...